Well, uh, we are, uh, like I said, continuing a series in Jonah. Uh, so if you want to turn there in your Bibles, you can. We're going to be in Jonah again today, Jonah chapter 4. Uh, if you are using one of the Pew Bibles, it's on page 654. Uh, and so if you, want to, if you want to get there. Like I said, this is... Uh, a familiar story for many, right? It's a, uh, it could be described as maybe a Sunday school story, uh, uh, one that you've maybe heard when you were a kid about Jonah who, who gets called from God and runs and gets swallowed by the fish and then gets thrown up on the shore and all that fun stuff, right? And so we've been, we've been talking about Jonah a little bit and um, just, to, just to kind of recap the story of Jonah before we get in today, right? Jonah 1 starts with God calling to Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh which is a city that, that is the capital city of Assyria, a very violent culture, a very violent city, especially towards people like Jonah, right? Jonah, who are trying to, to call them out of that. And so when God says, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh, Jonah says, uh-uh, not going to happen, not going to go. I've seen the end of this story. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to die on this hill, God. That's not what I'm doing. And so he runs. He gets on a boat going the other direction towards Tarshish, right? And uh, as, as he's on the ship, God sends a storm to overcome this ship. And the ship is tossing back and forth. The sailors are throwing things off of the ship to try and save their lives, right? And, and it finally gets down to the last second. They're saying, everybody just pray to their own gods and maybe this will happen. Jonah is sleeping in the bottom of the ship. And so they go down and they, they wake him up and they say, pray to your God and maybe this will, this will help. And Jonah realizes at that moment, this is my fault. This is on me. I'm the one that's caused this. And he tells them, here's what you got to do. This is my fault. It, what you got to do is you got to throw me over the ocean, throw me into the ocean and the storm will, will calm down. So reluctantly, after trying a few other things, they throw Jonah into the sea and the storm calms down. And it it says God provided a a large fish, a giant fish, to come and swallow Jonah. And Jonah spent three days in the belly of this fish. During those three days, he's just praying, right? He's praying to God, God, help. God, what is, I'm I'm sorry that I did this. I'm sorry that that I ran from you. God, and I I love this prayer that Jonah prays in Jonah chapter 2. It's it's basically this, God, when I was the farthest away from you, I cried out to you. I, I, I called out to you and you answered and you heard my prayer. Right? Even in the times when we are the farthest away from God, we can call out to God, we can, we can pray to God, He will hear you and He will answer your prayer. I think that's just an, an amazing thing. And so Jonah makes this commitment in that prayer, God, I'm going to go. God, I'm going to do the things that I said I was going to do. God, I'm going to follow you. And so the fish... The scripture says that the fish vomited, the, vomited Jonah up onto the shore. I was, I was uh, reading this story last night with my kids. This was our bedtime story last night because I've been thinking about Jonah all week. And uh, <clears throat> this was the, the funnest part of the whole story was when Jonah got vomited up on the shore. Uh, and we were talking about how Jonah was probably just covered in fish slime and all this other kind of stuff. And it was just... just yeah, I have that picture in my head, so I thought you should too. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, so Jonah is thrown up on the shore, and, uh, and it says that the very first words in Jonah 3 are, the Lord called to Jonah again, a second time, 
Right, that, that we have this God of, of second chances is what we talked about last week. That God called to Jonah a second time. Jonah, I don't care that you ran. I don't care that you said no. I want you to go to Nineveh. And so Jonah obeys, it says in Jonah chapter 3. And he goes. And he goes into the city with, with a message that isn't exactly heartwarming. Right, he goes into the city and he says just a, a seven or eight word sermon all throughout the city. And I told you last week, I have like the Western image of, of kind of walking into town with the spurs clinging and all that kind of stuff. And here's what he says, 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned. 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned. He's just walking through the city saying this. 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned. 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned. And, and, and I can see Jonah kind of just waiting for the, for the rocks to be thrown. Like waiting for the people to come out in the middle of the street for the draw, right? Waiting just to, to go through this. And, and instead what he sees is that people are responding to this. That people are responding. It says that the, the whole city repents even the king the word reaches the king and the king puts on sackcloth and he mourns and he repents and it says that the lord relented on that day and did not destroy the city of nineveh now i I just gotta if i was jonah man i would just be excited right now like man god how amazing are you look at this this city all i said was in 40 days you're going to be overturned and the whole city repented I mean, think about Jonah. In our today's culture, Jonah would be like on the cover of Time magazine. Like he would be the, the speaker at all the conferences, right? Like, like Jonah did what God told him to do, went into a city, and the whole city turns to Jesus. The whole city comes to God. And Jonah just must be ecstatic right now, right? He must just be so pumped about what God is doing in his life. Let's actually read here. Jonah chapter 4. Let's read Jonah's response. It says this, But but to Jonah this seemed very wrong. (laughs) And he became angry. To Jonah this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. And he becomes angry at this. God has just done an amazing thing. I find this interesting. He is, he is burning with anger right now. I find it interesting that God, before Nineveh turns, is just burning with anger towards Nineveh, saying, I'm going to destroy this city. The, th- the wickedness of them has come to my ears. I know what they're doing. I'm burning with anger right now. And then they come to God, and then Jonah is just seething. He's burning with anger because those people came to God This just does not seem right, Scripture says that Jonah thought. Jonah, this just seemed very wrong. And so he he was upset, and then so he prays. He says he prayed to the Lord. Verse 2, he prayed to the Lord. I find it, just a side note here, I find it really interesting that the only two times that we read Jonah praying in Scripture, or, or in this chapter, or in these two situations, and tell me if this sounds familiar, maybe it sounds familiar in your life, it does for me. Here's the two times he prayed. When he was in the belly of the fish, when his back was up against the wall, there was no other choice, and when he was mad. Jonah prayed two times in this whole book. Remember, he didn't pray on the ship when people were asking him to pray. Pray to your God and maybe we will be saved. He doesn't pray in that situation. He prays when he's in the belly of the fish, when there's literally nowhere else to turn. Like, this is like the, 
thought, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. Like, this is that situation. I guess all I can do now is pray. And then the other one is in the very end in, in chapter 4 when he's mad. Man, that hits home for me. Because sometimes that's, that's when I pray, right? I pray when I feel like it's the last thing I can do, when I feel like I've exhausted all my options, and I pray when I'm upset. I pray when I'm upset sometimes. Yeah, I, I think the, the reality is that there's, there's so much more to a relationship with Christ than just when we're upset or when it's the last thing, right? Jesus didn't come just to rescue us from our pain. Let's, I, I think sometimes we, we settle for a, for a crisis-driven relationship with Christ. And that's not what he wants for us. He doesn't want to just know us in the, good time, in, the, in the hard times when we're up against a wall, when there's literally nothing else we can be doing. He wants to, to know us in the good times, in the good. Right, let's not just settle for, for a crisis-driven relationship with Christ. But here's what, here's what Jonah prays. Isn't this what I said, Lord? I'm in verse 2 here. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing for Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Right, God, I knew, I know you. I knew what you were about. I knew what you were about to be doing, and I don't like it. God, they don't deserve this. You ever been in that boat? Man, they do not deserve what I just got. Isn't this why I ran in the first place, Jonah says? I knew you. I know you're compassionate. I know you're loving. I know you don't want to do this to people. But, but why them? God, thank you for forgiving me, but, but why are you forgiving them? God, I know you just forgave me for running. God, I know you just gave me a second chance, but why them? Why are you giving them a second chance? They don't deserve a second chance. Look at what they've done in their life. Look at all the stuff that they've gone through. Look at all the people that they've put through pain. Look at all the people they've killed. God, look at all that. How do they get a second chance? God, thank you for the second chance, but... But them? Really? I mean, Jonah was, Jonah was angry. Jonah, Jonah had been hurt by these people. Jonah probably knew people that were killed by these people. And so God calls to Jonah and Jonah says, go to Nineveh. Jonah is just, I don't want to do that, God. I, I know who you are. I know that you're compassionate. I know that you're loving. I know that you're forgiving. But I just can't for them. There was just some resentment in there. There was some, some unforgiveness in there. There was some bitterness in there. And maybe you're in that same place this morning. Maybe you're in the same place where, where you're just harboring some bitterness in your heart. You're, just, you're not willing to forgive someone for that certain thing. You're, someone maybe left you in a tough spot or someone maybe left your friendship just out of, out of the blue. They were just gone and you didn't even know why. Maybe someone said some things or did some things that just that ended your, your relationship right then and there. Maybe people have just really hurt you. And you just can't seem to, to get over it. You can't seem to, to get over the resentment or get over the bitterness. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. That's what, that's what Jonah is, is feeling right now. Jonah is struggling with forgiveness in his own right. Jonah really, truly understands that God is a God of love and forgiveness and and compassion. He even says that. But Jonah is is struggling with forgiveness. 
But we are, we are called to forgive. We are called to be a people of forgiveness, a people who, 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 are, who are forgiving and loving above anything else. Right, we take our example from Jesus. Right, Jesus, even, even in his last day, Jesus is, is hanging on the cross, and some of the last words that he says are what? Forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And he takes his last breath, his last words. Some of his last words are forgive, forgive them. Right? Even in his earlier teachings, he calls us to forgive. Even on the Sermon on the Mount, right, in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, earlier in the chapter, he teaches us how to pray, right? The Lord's Prayer we know today. Forgive us our debtors as we forgive those, or forgive us our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. We forgive those who sin against us, right? It's not an if we forgive, it's as we forgive those who sin against us. And then later, he clarifies this, even in the same paragraph in Matthew chapter 6, he, he clarifies it, and here's what he says. <coughs> For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. We'll read that again. If you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Man, Jesus just, these, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus never was really like, unless he was telling a parable, he didn't really leave you wondering what he meant. He was pretty blunt with this one. Hey, if you forgive, God will forgive you. But if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven by God. Jonah is, is struggling with forgiveness. Sometimes we struggle with the same forgiveness. Maybe, maybe this is something you need to do. Maybe who, who is it that you need to forgive today? Who is it that you need to forgive? Maybe, maybe you're the one that, that needs to go and ask for forgiveness. If there's someone that you need to forgive, I, would you just write that name on your paper? Just do, do that today. Do that this week. Pray about this forgiveness. Forgive. Right, Jonah is uh, not so interested in this, in this uh, forgiveness business. All right, we keep going in verse 4. <clears throat> and, and I love that at this point, God just basically engages Jonah in a conversation here. And here's what he says. I'm in Matthew. Here's what he says in Jonah 4. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? I mean, come on, man. 120,000 people just accepted, just came to me. 120,000 people just came to God, and you're sitting here upset. This is something to celebrate. Right? And Jonah gives him the silent treatment. Jonah went out, sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. <laughs> Just, Jonah not only like, disagrees wholeheartedly with God's forgiving of these people, he is still, in his deepest heart of hearts, expecting God to still destroy this place. 
And not only is he expecting God to do it, he wants a good seat for it. Jonah goes up on the mountain. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Jonah is just like waiting for the fireworks here. They're just totally ignoring God right now. Right? God is saying, hey, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah just walks away. Goes up on the hill and waits. Now you would think that, that God would just like just give it to Jonah at this point, right? Like God would just kind of just come and just kind of just, just give it to him. Like, Jonah, who are you right now? What are you, what are you doing? Like, what, what is this? And instead, uh, uh, this, this picture is just kind of strange to me, honestly. But it says, Then the Lord God provided, again, provided a gourd and made it grow up over Jonah to, sh- to, to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the gourd. A little bipolar Jonah here, right? Jonah, I don't like, uh, I didn't, I don't like you, God, when you do that, but, but thank you for this gourd that's giving me shade. I love it. I'm happy. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the gourd so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Here's what I want us to see in these, just in these last three verses. I think, I think this is just a, a beautiful glimpse into the kind of relationship that Jonah had with God and the kind of relationship that we, that we can have with God. See, Jonah wasn't happy. He wasn't happy with what life had become. He wasn't happy with, with the way things were. He wasn't happy with, with what God was doing in the world. He just wasn't happy about it. He wasn't content. He wasn't very happy. But, but look at how Jonah and God interact. Right? This, this word that's in this passage is that God provided. Right? God provided the gourd. God provided the worm. Right? Even in, in, in chapter 1, God provided the fish. Right, there's, this, there's a connotation in, in just the word provide that, that it's not necessarily giving you something that you want, but it's something that you need. Right, when, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm providing, I'm giving something that, that people need. Right, I'm not just, I, you don't provide things that people want. You provide things that people need. And so, so God is, is providing for Jonah, right, even, when, even when it kind of, kind of looks funny. Right? He provides the shade for his head, but he kind of needs to get a hold of him again, and so he provides the worm to eat the shade over his head, and then he provides the wind to really get Jonah's attention, and Jonah, Jonah passes out. He, he calls out to him, right? And, 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 it, and it goes to chapter one, right? Jonah runs. God, God sends a storm to get a hold of Jonah, and he sends the fish. He provides the fish, Scripture says, to really get Jonah, to get him to, to actually sit and to actually to listen here. The, the language here is that God provided, right? Chapter one, God provided a fish. Chapter four, God provided the gourd. He provided the worm. God provided for, for Jonah. God was giving Jonah everything that Jonah needed. Even when Jonah didn't like it. Even when Jonah wasn't happy. Right? Jonah, was, Jonah was, was happy for a second when he got the shade. But man, was he angry when God took that. He wanted to die when, when God took that. Right? Even, even, here's the thing. 
We don't really like to think of, of serving the God of the worm and serving the God of, of the scorching wind. We love to talk about how we serve the God of the vine, how we serve the God of the gourd, who gives us shade when we need it and protects us and is all about our prosperity and is all about us being good and being okay, right? And, and here's, here's, <coughs> here's what we need to, <coughs> to do. Right, we, make these, we make these prayers, God, provide for me, God, make my kids well, God, God make my kids follow you, God, God, don't let me struggle financially, God, we want, to, we want to serve the God of the vine, but the reality is that God is so much bigger than that. God is so much bigger than just being the God of the vine, God is of the gourd, and the fullness of, of who he is. Right? God loves us enough to send us the wind and to send us the worm and to send us a giant fish if we need it. Right? God loves us enough to, to put that in there. And, and thank God for the vines in our lives. Thank God for the gourds. Right? Thank God that, that on the, the last day that I saw my parents married, I met my wife. God, thank God that you put people in my life like the, the last pastor I had in Lompoc who, who when I was going through tough times, he was there with me. He didn't judge me. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't shame me. He loved me. He brought me alongside of him, right? Thank God for those vines. But also thank God for the worms. And thank God for those times where I, I hit rock bottom and God showed up. And I needed to hit rock bottom for God to truly speak into my life. God, thank God for those scorching winds where I felt like I needed to pass out because of the hardships that I was going through. But it was what I needed. It's what I needed to, to grow in my relationship with Christ. I think the, the challenge for us as believers is, is to not just be people who beg for the vine, who beg for the gourd to give us shade and to, we just want to sit on the hill with our lawn chairs and a, and a soda and just in the shade and God is so good. But I think the challenge for us as believers is to, is to, to pray for to, to, and to embrace the worm and the wind and the fish. That when God sends things our way, that might not be shade over our head, that might not feel amazing on the inside, that we embrace it and we understand that God is maybe giving us something that we need here, that if we embrace it, that if we lean on him, that if we depend on him as we get through this, that we end up at the end looking a little more like Jesus than we did at the beginning. That's the challenge, to not just be people who, who, who ask God for the gourd, for the shade, but, but people who embrace and, and embrace the, the worm and the wind and understand that God is developing us. Right, but Jonah is just, Jonah is an absolute mess at this point. Jonah is just angry. He can't understand what God is doing, right? And God, after he gets his attention, again, right, God, you can see it kind of parallels chapter one here. God calls to Jonah. Jonah goes the other way. God sends the shade, much like God provides a ship. And then God sends the worm, the storm. And God sends the, the wind 
And he speaks to him again. Speaks to Jonah a second time, just like in chapter 3. God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the gourd? Jonah responds, Heck yes. (laughs) Jonah responds, It is. It is right for me to be upset about this gourd, and I'm so angry that I wish I were dead. I'll show you, God. I'm so angry, I wish I was dead. And how could you send me a gourd and then take it away like that? Of course I'm angry about this gourd. Of course I'm angry about the shade that you gave me and took away. Of course I am. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this gourd, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Jonah, should I not be concerned about these people? Jonah, I was concerned about you. I gave you shade, but then I took it away. Why are you mad about that? You didn't do anything for that. You didn't plant that. You didn't tend to it. I did that. It grew up overnight. I took it away overnight. What are you mad about? Jonah, I created these people in Nineveh. What are you mad about? You didn't do anything to do that. You didn't do anything to grow those people up. I saved those people. What are you mad about? Jonah, why are you mad? And here's, here's what I honestly think that God is saying to Jonah in this. Jonah, life isn't about you. Jonah, life is not about you. It's about Nineveh. Chris, life isn't about you. It's about Nineveh. It's about being able to to reach out. It's about the people who still need to turn. It's about the people that you can still reach. Here's a a picture that that I... find so much hope in. Can you imagine a church who begins to understand and begins to hear God saying, it's not about you. It's about Nineveh. It's not about you. It's about this neighborhood across the street. It's about Fresno. It's about this whole area. It's not about you. Man, can you imagine if we gave permission to God and said, I'm not going to run anymore, God. I'm not going to run anymore. I'm not going to limit you anymore. God, whatever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, whatever you want me to do, I am in because it's not about me. It's about Nineveh. It's about reaching people for you. See, I'm, I'm going to invite my neighbor over for dinner. I'm going to go to the prison and visit with an inmate. I'm going to do things that I, that I wouldn't dream of doing, but I know you've been calling me to do. God, I'm not going to run from you anymore. Because it's not about me. It's about Nineveh. It's about those people out there who haven't yet heard your name. And here's the thing. When we do what God wants us to do, we can say things like, 40 days and you will be overturned. And God can use that and and turn it around. And and 120,000 people come to Christ because of that sermon. That is by far the worst sermon I could ever preach in this building. 40 days and every single one of you will be overturned. You'd be like, come on, Pastor Chris, really? 
He goes in that city, preaches that sermon, everybody turns to Christ. Why do you think that is? Because he was doing what God wanted him to do. Church, it's not about us. It's about Nineveh. It's about Fresno. It's about this community. It's about reaching people. It's about making a difference. I don't know, but I, I love that the story just ends there. It just ends. Right? This, is, this is how the story ends. But the Lord said, You've been concerned about the gourd, though you didn't tend to make it grow. It sprang up overnight, it died overnight. Should I not have concern for the great city Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? It's like the mic drop from God, right? Should I not be concerned about them? And he leaves it there. Can you imagine what we don't have in this book? Jonah sitting up on the hill, waiting for the destruction of Nineveh. It doesn't come. Can you see Jonah just coming to the realization? It's not about me. It is about them. God was right. He always is right. Why wouldn't he be right? Why should I be angry? They deserve God just as much as I do. I, I love that the story ends there. Because what more does God need to say? It's not about you, Joan. It's about Nineveh. It's not about us, church. It's about Nineveh. So let's go. Let's go to Nineveh. Let's make a difference. Let's do the things that God is calling us to do. Let's not put our expectations on God like Jonah did. Let's just let God move. And can you imagine? If not just our church, but the churches in Fresno, churches in California. Churches in America were more about that than anything else. What a difference that would be. And what a difference we would make. It's not about us. It's about Nineveh. Let's go to Nineveh. Let's pray. God, we are uh, thankful for your presence this morning. Thankful for your work in our lives, for your word into our lives, God. We thank you for, we thank you for the, the shade that you give us sometimes. God, when life is good, we praise you. But God, we thank you for the worms and we thank you for the wind. The times in which we, we can't do it on our own. God, may we use those times to shape us and to to help us to become more like you. As we embrace the worm and we embrace the wind and we come out of the other side looking more like you than when we began. God, we love you. I pray that as, as, as we go this week, you would go ahead of us, that you'd be in our conversations, that you'd be in our, in our homes, in our workplaces. 
God, be with our families, be with uh, everyone that we would touch, God. That when they look at us, they look at you. And may we be bold this week. God, may someone come to Christ because of someone at this church this week. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray this, uh, this prayer of blessing over you. Will you just hold out your hands and receive this? <clears throat> May the God of the vine and the God of the worm and the God of the wind be with you this week. May he teach you. May he guide you. May he direct you. And may you make a difference for God this week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go in peace. If you're going to one-on-one, we'll meet in the fellowship hall. Give me about 10, 15 minutes to set up, and we'll be good going.